Good afternoon, Robert Ward here with our probably last Wednesday word uh, today, May 27th. Uh, today I want to think of the calling of the Christian life. What does it mean to be a Christian and what is the guiding principle by which we're meant to live? What is our calling? Um, Ephesians 4, 1 through 7 speaks a lot about this, and so I want us to read it together, and I'll bring out a few points along the way. Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. There are a few things that stand out to me about this passage. Uh, and, and I think the first is this, that, that this idea of calling and how we might live is, is ultimately rooted in God's grace and patience towards us. If you look at verse 1, he, Paul, urges the Ephesians to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And I think that's an interesting turn of phrase. He could have just said, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. But he he instead chooses to emphasize the fact that this calling exists as something ongoing. The Lord has called you, so walk in accordance with that calling. The emphasis makes it seem as though our calling is really quite distinct from us. It's distinct even from what we do. Rather, this calling is outside of us, coming from the Lord to us, And this is the grounds that Paul uses to urge the Ephesians to live their lives. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God that has already existed, that God has already placed on you. And I I think that there's a lot of comfort in, in that phrase. Because normally when I am urged by someone to do something, as Paul urges the Ephesians to do something here... There's a burden that's placed on the person being urged or commanded to act. Uh, And when we think about our salvation, when we think about our calling before the Lord and what he has set out for us to do, it's very easy to put a burden on ourselves that is really not something we ourselves can sustain uh, or or even begin to unravel. Um, and, And so when I read this and I think about the fact that God has called me, and this calling is really distinct from anything that I've done or will do, it frees me to actually follow what Paul commands here. It actually enables me to live in a manner worthy of that calling. And so the responsibility that Paul lays out is really a responsibility that's clothed in God's providence. It's as if he's saying, just step into what is rightfully yours. Not because of anything you've done, but because of the Lord's grace and mercy. Has the Lord not called you? Okay, then. Go forward in his calling for your life. Um, 
Now, what's so often the case when we think about calling uh, is that we tend to be very inward with that concept. What am I called to do? What am I meant to be? What role am I supposed to fill? What's unique about me? What talents and gifts and qualities has God imparted to me that makes me an indispensable part of his team of people, his family, the church? Uh, but Paul doesn't really dwell on this. Ephesians doesn't, it's just not oriented around that individualized sense of calling. Instead, what it means to walk in a manner worthy of our calling, uh, according to verse 2, is that we would do this with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity. And, and all of these words are very others oriented. And that's the second thing that stands out to me about this passage. Uh, how others oriented, how God oriented our understanding of calling is really meant to be. As we live uh, in a manner worthy of this calling that the Lord has placed on our lives as his children, as his saints, his servants in this world, all these words look to our interactions with, with others, whether it's humility or gentleness, but especially patience, bearing with one another, he goes so far to say, in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Um, you know, that's just not the way we tend to think about things. We tend to think about our calling in terms of our own glory, our own benefit. And yet our calling is actually oriented around how we serve and bear with other people, but especially the people of the household of God. I think more than ever, that's something that we need to be mindful of, especially as a local church family. Uh, right now, with so much uncertainty about what it will look like to gather again, what it means to even be the gathered people of God? What should a Sunday morning look like? What, what, what should our uh, gatherings outside of Sunday morning be like? Uh, all of these things are going to require that we behave with humility and gentleness and patience towards one another. And, and while we might be tempted to think that this is actually a sidetrack, that this is something that is distracting us from our calling, uh, the reality is that it's actually the very place, it's the, it's the field where this calling is lived out as we interact with and engage one another in this way. Um, of course, all of this, if you look at verse 4 through 7, all of this is is really made true because of this third thing that I, I want to, to point out about this passage, which is that as God's people, we are united by, by several crucial foundational things. Despite the ways that we need to bear with one another, the, the opportunities that we have to have humility and patience with one another, we have really one body, one spirit, Paul says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, who, according to Ephesians, is over all and through all and in all. 
So even with all of these opportunities we have to bear with one another in a myriad ways, there's still this great unity that exists. It's the very essence of the Christian life that we are united by these foundational, essential things. Who God is, who our triune God is. You see the Father, the Son, and the Spirit really all get mentioned here because this is what defines us. This is what actually makes us God's people. It's not what we bring to the table. It's, it's actually the table around which we gather. It, it is the Father. It is our Lord Jesus. It is the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism that signifies all the work that the Lord has done in our lives. It's, it's, it's the fact that our God and Father is over all, through all, and in all of his people. He sovereignly orchestrates and ordains our lives. And he ordains our very purpose in this world. And so where do we come into focus, you might ask? Well, where, where, where does, at some point, doesn't this idea of calling zero in on the individual Christian? And, and yes, it does, but not in the way that we expect. Verse 7 says that grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So where do you and I as individuals come into focus here? merely as recipients of God's grace. And that's where we began. That's where verse 1 sets this whole thing in motion. When Paul urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, we've already established that that in and of itself is an evidence of God's grace, mercy, and providence towards his people. And then here at the tail end of this passage, we're reminded that as recipients of grace, this is where we are meant to live. This is where our being has its existence and the very essence of the Christian life. We're recipients of what the Lord has done to us. And you think about what God's grace towards us individually means. It means gentleness. It means patience. You want to think about what it looks like to bear with someone in love Look to the way the Lord has treated you, the way the Lord has treated me, uh, the desire that the Lord has to unite us with him by his spirit. All of this is a model. It's essential for the Christian life. Without it, we are dead in our sins. But in addition to that, it's a model for us of how we're meant to live towards one another. And, and that's why here in the middle of this passage, Paul takes this direct look at having humility towards each other. I think that now more than ever is essential right now. And it begins with us realizing and maybe be re being reminded of the fact that we were first God, the recipients of God's grace. And therefore, we can give it freely to others. Um, so with that, my prayer for us as a church family, as God's people here, uh, as his representatives in the world, is that we would demonstrate the gospel of grace towards one another. That it might become even more present of a reality in our own hearts and minds. So let's pray to that end for our church and for one another. And Lord willing, we will be able to gather again here soon and, and live that out even more practically as we see what each other once again and worship the Lord together uh, in the same general space once again.
but but until then, let's let's have grace towards one another. Let's bear with one another, being mindful and thankful of all the ways that the Lord has has bared with us.